Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, sexuality, and feminism. We are live this weekend at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. You can probably hear everyone in the background. And with us today, we have Milwaukee comedian Addie Blanchard. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, I've been doing stand-up in the city for about two years. Um... And in terms of horror movies, I'm a big old scaredy cat. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so many people that I have on are. Um, but I think this is just about normalizing horror and getting yeah. people to get comfortable with it. Um, so, yeah, this conference has been really fun. I just interviewed Katrina Weidman from Paranormal Lockdown and Butch Patrick from The Monsters. Um, so hopefully I will get the audio from that and these three interviews will be compiled into one episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so Addie I met last spring at her show Sorry Not Sorry. Yeah, you brought is, the house down. It was great. Ah, you. You did. Thank you. I remember watching your act and it's very similar to my experience as well, like growing up Catholic school, Wisconsin serial killers. It's like, I like her. Uh, so what drew you to start doing comedy? Um, I, I got older, like... I found that stand-up comedy was a really, like, it really helped me. I gravitated towards it when I was, like, going through, like, tough times with anxiety and depression. Like, I gravitated towards it and kind of just, like, really, I don't know, it echoed, like, my experience. It was really comforting. It kind of felt like I was less alone. And I was like, I want to do that for other people, too. And, like, obviously that's, like, a huge, like, pie-in-the-sky ideal. But, like, I really, like, like making, like, poop jokes. And, like, I really just like making people laugh, you know? Like, it's, like, it's, like, the ideal of, like, I want to help people. But then it's also, like, I just, like, also love attention. Like, <laughs> like for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, all, all comedians are total narcissists. Um, but I love your idea of, like, comedy as this healing aspect. I actually do a show in Chicago that is storytelling and comedy for people who work in the same kind of job as me as like a union organizer community organizer it's like often in that type of work we're constantly beating ourselves up for not winning and there's no there's not a lot of time to really like heal yeah. and reflect because like time you spe- spend healing could be spent you know out there with the struggle you know yeah so it's kind of that mentality um, but I definitely see like comedy shows as this space to just come and laugh and be together and feel good relax you know yeah there's not a lot of places like that. So yeah, I think that's special. really important. Uh, and so Addie's show, Sorry Not Sorry, is a brunch show. And I will admit, as a comedian, I was terrified to do it at first. Well, it's like, it is like, our, the tagline that I use is like, laugh in the harsh light of day. Yeah. It's like, you don't, like, you don't get, there's no real, like, cloak of darkness to hide under. But you'd be surprised how many people are into it, into yeah, it during the day. For sure. Um, and, and you know, it's so silly that we think we need a dark comedy club at night when everyone's wasted to be funny. Because if you're really funny, you don't at all. And like, the show was a blast. It was so much fun. I was totally surprised and like. It is surprising. Away. It's yeah. a little. It's Which a little is pocket. On my part to be like, nah. I was surprised. <laughs> Well, it's not like the city is like, wow, what a comedic hub. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like we're known for like our like banger shows. But we do like pockets of brilliance. I mean, I'm not saying that about my show. I'm just saying that it about is. Milwaukee Don't comedy. <laughs> 
So how how has your experience in Milwaukee comedy been? What stuck out most to you? Um, I it really like like yesterday somebody asked me what do you like about the city and I was like to be honest I don't think I would have had like a good answer for you until I started doing stand up um, because I really like how. People kind of, like, you have to, like, work for your laughs here. Like, you really, no one's going to, like, give it to you easily. Um, like, people are going to, like, be a little, like, critical. Um, people, but also, like, people are nice. Like, people are, people are kind and they look out for each other. And the one thing that, like, makes me kind of sad about it is that there are not many girls doing stand-up in Milwaukee. Mm. Like, they're, like, a lot of them, a lot of them leave. Um... For bigger and better things. Yeah, lucky you guys. They're great. Yeah, and Andrea Gazetta went to LA. Like, we get a lot of, like, just a lot of people, a lot of women, like, making, like, really, like, strong inroads here, and they're so funny. And then they, like, leave to, like, bigger and better things. And, like, good on them, man. You know, like, follow your dreams, follow your heart. But it's, like, I really wish that, like, I had, like, more than, like, one other girl to, like, kowtow with, like, on a regular basis. So that's kind of, that's kind of where. You know, and I don't want to get like I don't want to get like the guys are fine because they really are. Like they, the guy, like they, it, yeah, I know they're fine. I like, um, but I, it would be nice to have like a. It'd be nice to have like more women to like share this experience with because it's really I love it. Like I, it, like I love it. Yeah, that has been the best part because I started doing comedy in Chicago, which uh, felt like a boot camp. Like, because you have people from all over the country coming to make it. Yeah, no, for sure. uh, So Chicago, like, at first it was harsh to get into that groove, uh, but then the amazing amounts of talented women I've met, like, are the Lara, you know, Lara Bites, Rena Calm, Kristen Toomey. I run a show with two wonderful women, and like I don't know if I would have stuck around in comedy if I didn't have those beautiful people to like confide in and get advice from. Like it's, I feel like there are so many matriarchs in our scene. It's it's awesome. It would really be nice if Milwaukee had like an accessible matriarch. <laughs> like it's like I want a mother figure. <laughs> like well, you could probably be that. You could be a mentor. Maybe figure one for day. A lot of comics, I bet. I bet you are, and you don't even know it. Uh, so Talk about- I'm curious, what is your first horror movie that you remember seeing? Oh, Beetlejuice. Really? You consider that horror? Oh yeah, I was a. I, I was a scaredy cat like Gina Davis's so like when Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin are in the closet and like blah, and they like pop out and it's like so tame by like anything you'd see today but like when I was like seven eight years old I was it was like the scariest thing like I but I'm a skittish I'm a skittish kid I'm a skittish gal yeah what I loved about their characters is they were trying so hard to be scary and they were, like <laughs> going over it with each other like should we do this what about this I don't know and it kind of made it like fun and playful to see the other end of it yeah like, how do ghosts get their tight five you know oh my god that's that's a perfect I was not as insightful as a child that's <laughs> I, well, the scene that really scared me is when they did the seance, uh, and they were in their wedding clothes, and they started aging uh, and rotting, and Addie's face is not happy right now. No, because <laughs> it was scary. It's like an existential, it's like an existential threat. Oh yeah. Really upsetting. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know what's funny is like watching so many horror movies while I was growing up, the scariest thing to me was dying. Not like being stabbed or being chased or anything. It was like the actual act of dying. Oh. And do you remember that movie? You might be a little young for it, but it was Paul Hogan from Crocodile Dundee, and he played an angel. And there was a scene where someone, like the end was someone dying, and I just like bawled for two hours. <laughs> like my mom had to comfort me, and it's like that was Paul Hogan's movie about being an angel was the scariest thing. I remember. <laughs> well, I remember Christy Alley was in a movie where she was the tooth fairy, and like she was the tooth fairy because she was like in purgatory, and she had to like do her job and do enough good deeds to like escape going to hell. And there's like one scene where she's like in an elevator like going down to hell and she's like help me and like that was so upsetting oh, yeah. and it was like on the Disney channel it was Christy Alley <laughs> like it was like that I, I was just I feel like this was more scary like I feel like the intention was not to make it as scary as it was you know but it was like deeply upsetting oh, like yeah. I remember having a similar experience yeah there's so many things like when you're little that like within the wider context of the plot aren't scary but like moments will catch you and it'll just be like, this is the most horrifying thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> you know what else was a scary movie? Brave Little Toaster. <gasps> I loved that movie. It's a really great movie, and I would watch it to this day. But, like, when the cars are, like, getting, like, executed, like, yeah. it was just yeah. it was so weird. I Oh, my gosh. I used to babysit my little brother, and, like, I'm 11 years older than him. Hey, Vinny, how are you? And uh, we would watch it. And I would always be the one that's like, you want to watch The Brave Little Toaster? Like, he's like four, like, I'm sick of that movie. I'm like, let's watch it. <laughs> so, sorry I watched, made you watch that so many times, Vinny. Uh, yeah, so, let's see. How do you, so you've said you're a scaredy cat. Um, does that how you feel about horror as a genre overall? Um, yeah. I'll... But I'll get scared. I'll get in the pool for a good reason. Uh-huh. Like if it's like a good if I it's like a good movie. I don't like to be scared. I want something else. I want to pair it with something else. Okay. You want a little like sampler flatter. Exactly. Okay, I get that. So I like the horror comedy genre a lot. Do you like that much? Or? Um maybe I do and I just don't know it. Have you seen Housebound? No. That's a really fun like that one actually made me laugh out loud a few oh. times. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's it's from New Zealand, I think. It's so funny. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so for us today to watch, Addie chose It Follows. And It Follows is the story of a parano- paranormal phenomena of something that uh, is a spirit that follows people once they have sexual intercourse with each other. So it's kind of like the ultimate STD. Uh, once you pass it on to someone, they will have to deal with this spirit. And you won't have to anymore. Uh, so I'm curious, Addie, why'd you choose this movie? Um, so I said that I'll like get if like the genre of horror movies is like a swimming pool. I'll get in the pool if it's a really good reason. And It Follows is a really good reason. I chose it. Um, I chose it because, first of all, I do think there is a strong argument to be made that it is a feminist albeit imperfect feminist movie. Really? I do. I do really feel that way. Um, But also, it just, like, filled me with such dread. Like, it was super upsetting. It wasn't gory. It wasn't even, like, boo. Like, boo, pop out at you scary. Mm -hmm. Which, like, I have a tar time with. It was just, like, 
a really effective, pervasive feeling of dread that I've like never felt before in another movie, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. Yeah, it did have that. Like, it reminded me a little bit of the Terminator when I was little. I remember watching that and that feeling that it's coming for you. Uh-huh. It's always coming for you. You can't stop it. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious because I actually I had the complete opposite reaction when I Ooh, saw it. Oh, good radio. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, there was a lot of things in the plot that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I really... Okay, so first off, sex as a horror theme is so appropriate. Because, like, as a young woman, sex is scary. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like you're taught to feel like sex is a commodity and almost a weapon. You yeah. Know? Like, you choose who to have sex with. It's like some magical, beautiful thing you're giving someone unless you give it to the wrong person. And then you're a slut and it's used against you and everyone in high school talks about you. And like, um, So I think that is a really important topic to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really liked how after she had sex with this guy and was starting to be followed, all the um, the spirit that followed her was taking the form of her family members, mm-hmm. which was so creepy. What do you think the film was trying to convey with that? So the only so like the only family member, the only family member I ever caught on to was like the dad, mm-hmm. the dad, like. She like fight she like fights her father at the end. Which yeah. is I thought that was dope. I was like, I love that. And then um and then I so like the fact that it like took the form of a family member, super creepy, really chilling. I thought it was a good choice. But I also really liked the most effective monsters that I liked were like like I I made a note, the the scariest monster was the tall man with his eyes gouged out. Oh god, yeah. He was that was the worst one. That was terrifying. Those are free, you can take them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It was so upsetting. Well the first the first apparition of the spirit was the grandmother in the house. Which is so creepy. Was that her grandmother? Yeah. I did not catch on it to that. It was very subtle. They just would, oh, like, yeah. flash at family photos and then you'd see this creepy thing following. Ooh, I always thought that was just an old woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was her grandma. Yeah. That was a good catch. But, like, that's, like, what it did. It was, like, if you, like, aren't, like, really watching, you're, like, going to miss some cool, like, things. I, um, I think that's awesome. Like, I think that's, that just adds to, like, the terror of it. Mm-hmm. It's not only, like, you're afraid for your life, but you're, like, uh-oh, these people I love are coming for me. I don't yeah. know. In that way, I kind of wondered if it was a metaphor for, um, I mean, not all of it, but, like, it's particularly the fa- the interaction with the father. Yeah. I was wondering if that was a metaphor for sexual assault, like, within the family. Ooh. Like, molestation, maybe? Which, I, not to get total bummer, No, for sure. Like, I mean, that was, like, that was, like, I... What I picked up on, like, I think the whole point of the movie is, like, you look into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Like, it leaves you totally up to, like, it leaves, if it's, if you see it, it's probably there. What I saw, especially with, like, Greg and the monster taking the form of his mom, and then, like, oh my god, like, 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 raping him, like, ah, like, oh my god, like, really upsetting. So it's, like, a really upsetting scene, but, like, it takes the form of your family, and then there's like there is like this like terrible like sexual component to it. Now when it was like the 
parents, it kind of reminded me of like Oedipal and like kind of like those like kind of Oedipal complexes and the and weird like uncomfortable and upsetting undercurrents. Not necessarily uh, that anyone had been sexually assaulted per se, but just like the concepts and the notion of like mother and father and then how those fit into like your own kind of sexual like upbringing i don't know oh, if that's yeah. too weird <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of what i was thinking it's like and also like those that idea like that like cross crossing those wires so upsetting like yeah. how uncomfortable could you possibly be and those are the terrors that that monster is kind of preying on you know oh that's a really good insight yeah and like looking back sexual education is so weird to think about with your parents because you're a product of their sexual exploit, but like, nobody <laughs> ever wants to think of their parents. Right, in that exactly, <laughs> exactly. So upsetting. Like, and that's, but that's like that was like the, that was like the, uh, the not the, not the magic eight, the Rorschach test of that movie. It's mm-hmm. like I don't think, I don't think anybody anybody's interpretation is necessarily wrong and I also think that it's a very clever movie for like having you do for like being able to kind of play in those like different corners of what it is and why it is and why it does what it does yeah so I was also like kind of curious as to why they chose Detroit as Ah, their backdrop because I feel like Detroit gets bad (laughs) rap in film like it gets beat up a lot, um, and I mean, Detroit has gone through a lot, but I love that city. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of great comedy happening there, there's a lot of great art, great music, there's a revitalization that's coming through the city, people are reclaiming the land to make urban farms, and like, I would honestly move there, you know, if a career became available there for me, sure. I wouldn't bat an eye, I love that city. So like, when I see it in movies, portrayed as like, kind of like a um, poverty porn, mm-hmm. I get mad. Like, I love that city. Well, I think it was like it was an odd choice. Mm-hmm. Why did they do it? They can't. They made they made other choices that made the movie otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Like it and kind of cockeyed in its. Where am I? What time is it? Like what year is it? What mm-hmm. is happening right now? So oh, that's true. they made yeah, these. They play around a lot so it's like, like that. they made these ambiguous choices to disorient the viewer. Why then did they then base it in real world Detroit, USA? You know, yeah. like why did they make that choice? And like, I feel like they, like, so like decaying of everything, of anything, including like urban infrastructure, it's like scary. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they chose Detroit, I think totally is to your point of like, poor people are frightening. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially these poor people in this city. It's like, why did you make this kind of like surreal world, but then you were like, Detroit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's an odd choice. <laughs> Have you seen Don't Breathe yet? No, but I hear oh. it's like exactly like it follows. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real good. It's, it's also set in Detroit. Oh. And again, I was like, guys, you could have just been in a rural area anytime <laughs> USA, yeah. and you would have gotten the same exactly. point across. Yeah. Stop beating up on Detroit. That's what I say. No, I agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. So my feeling on it follows was it is very sex negative, and like oh. I feel like the message of it is don't have sex with strangers because like not only could you get an STD or pregnant, now this ghost is following you, <laughs> to kill you unless you give it to someone. No, else. for sure. I like. 
I mean, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> like I, I, um, you're not wrong. I can't really like, I can't really like combat at that. I thought it was more, I thought it was more intimacy, which I guess is splitting hairs. But it's like, hey, like you can get close to people and like they'll totally betray you. And <laughs> and like also just like the creeping like there's a there's a comic book I really like. Oh, okay, anyway, sorry. I I suck. But there's a comic book I really like that's like um and I don't know what it's called. But basically the premise is that these teenagers, they, like, start reaching, like, sexual maturity, but then they start, like, mutating, and they get, like, antlers and, like, hooves, and they, like, fly faces. It's really gross, but it's also a parable for, like, kind of becoming an adult and, like, the ugliness that, like... You get gross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The (laughs) ugliness that, like, kind of, like, uh, coalesces when you, like, kind of, you know, when you are a teenager, when you're a freshman in college, like Jay is. And that's... That's what I read. Like, obviously, like... Obviously, like, there is there is a message there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the director was like, this is an ode against hookup culture, which, like, it kind of, like, feels like that. But, and, like, and that's wrong and sex negative. But it also is kind of, like, I don't know. I kind of read it as, like, the creeping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. No, that's fine. We are live at the yeah. conference. Yeah. So we have people coming up talking to us now and then. Don't worry. I'm sorry. You it's not saying. like it's not like this is like the the most fluid point that's ever been made. But I thought it was more like a creeping fear of like hey, like once you start having sex, like you kind of do open yourself up to these like risks and it's scary and it's not even the act itself, but it's like opening yourself up to people is terrifying and like so is becoming an adult and so are like the creeping like the creeping like dread of like death itself because that's what like aging and like reaching maturity means but maybe i just really want to like the movie really bad <laughs> that's a good point though i mean that's an excellent metaphor for how people's values change also mm-hmm. as they get older cuz like you know when you're a kid everything is black and white and you're going to be a good person and like mm-hmm. as you go yeah. get older <laughs> and you're involved in a world that's more gray area yeah i mean you, you know as an adult we meet all these people who are like maybe oh he's a ceo that owns like 500 sweatshops that employ children how he get there you know? <laughs> he's a monster yeah but in high school he's really nice you know yeah and he was he was he was so nice <laughs> sign my yearbook and everything yeah so that i mean that is a really important point like people get corrupted and it, it happens very slowly i also the other thing i picked up in the film was the idea that as a woman you uh. should settle Oh my gosh, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Should, you should settle also in the name of your own safety. Ah. Because she was not attracted to her no. friend. No. Her friend loved her so much. Yeah. It was so sad. It was like a pretty and pink. Well, scenario. it was like, it was to- like. I. I totally agree. It was like this like shared trauma brought them together and yeah, we he both totally. He like, he totally like reaped the fact. He reaped the benefits of the fact that she was like upscare, that she was scared and really upset. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you like, there, like that is a thing that happens. You know, like people get like cajoled and like 
uh, frightened into settling for things they don't want, like just out of like fear of the unknown. Are you familiar with the movie High Fidelity? Uh, no. I'm uh, sorry. I'm like striking out on all oh, these no, like bitches. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a scene though where John Cusack is going through his exes, and one of the relationships he had is because he and the other woman were both so sad. Yes. <laughs> like instantly bonded over that. It like totally like it like totally happens though. It's kind of like like you can either you could like read it as like a you could read it as like a warning tale, a parable, or you could read it as like a hey ladies, like getting, you know, like follow my lead. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're like, they're, I, cause that's something I picked up on too. It's like, oh, like, I don't know. I think when there are like predators out there, like it was totally like, you friend zoned me. I'm a nice guy. I won't oh, yeah. protect you from these other guys. Why'd you choose Greg and not me? Oh, yeah. And oh boy, it's like even in this world of like paranormal, like lethal threats, he's still like, I'm in the friend zone. Wait. And I, <laughs> and that was that was funny to me. Um, and that's also something I didn't pick up on on the first viewing because my like heart was like racing so quickly. But I think. I mean, he was totally a villain. He was a villain in his own right, preying on, first of all, preying on sex workers, and then also kind of, like, as a disposable. They, like, viewed them as disposable. And, that, and like, they somehow deserved it. Like, I forgot about uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he also, like, was, like, if you, like, you know, now that we have this, like, shared trauma, like, let's, now you'll love me. And it was, oh, yeah. poor, poor Jay. I don't know. I felt like... Getting, being threatened by an invisible dread that nobody else believes is real is a uniquely feminine experience. <laughs> like, like, Damn, that's so true. Like, the fact that Greg only started to believe that the monster was real after it punched, like, the other guy whose name escapes me right now. Uh-huh. Greg was like, it's not real. Like, it's all in her mind. Like, it's made up. And then he, the other dude was like, well, it punched me. There was something on that beach. Yeah. And then people start, like, straightening up. Another guy had to, like, validate Jay's experience. I don't know. Oh, that's I, so true. Yeah, right? it was kind of like... And I, that's why I, like, identified with it. Because I was like, is it... Ce-? But I think there is some gray area. Is it celebrating or portraying this experience? Oh, that's true. You know? Oh, you're so right. Because in my mind, I wanted to hate this movie. Cause yeah. Because I, I felt like it was celebrating. But it's not exactly celebrating. It's just laying it out. Because Jay is the audience. I think Jay is the audience surrogate. I think she's really likable. And not even like, not even like that matters. She, not likable isn't the right word. She does relatable things. Mm-hmm. Like, she tries to, like, shoot it with a gun. She, like, runs away from it. Yeah. She, like, involves her friends. She, like, locks the door. She, but, you know, she's doing the things that you would do. One of the things that I thought that made this movie, that really set the tone for this movie and that I was really into, was the opening scene. Where the girl, who you never see again, runs out into the street. You know she's being followed because they're playing that music, that they're playing that like very classic, like scary movie music. And she, her dad sees her that she's in trouble. The neighbor sees that she's in trouble. They both like are like, can I help you? And she like knows that she is the only person who can help herself, if at all. And like, she's like kind of wearing like a getup that would normally be associated with like 
a slut in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she's wearing like a cami and a little dress. And the heels. Exactly. But mm-hmm. she's acting in a way that you as an audience member would. You know, it like takes out the safety net of like, well, I would like, where are her parents? Why didn't she run to a neighbor? You know, that's Call what I would have done. Yeah. You know, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Um, it like rips that out from under you and it's like, no, this girl is doing exactly what you would do. And then they just like shoot you up with a big dose of her humanity when she's on the phone with her dad being like, oh just being God. like very like vulnerable. And like, it's like, no, like she's not just like a, she's not just like a bimbo that gets killed off. Like this was like a, this was like a girl. This is like a person. She had feelings and a family and she did exactly what you would do in that situation. She still got cornered. And it was like, now at that point, to me, that subverts a lot of what you'd expect. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's usually the person that gets killed off. But you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, I could have dealt with that better yeah. than she did. No, you couldn't have. She did exactly what you would have done. Now, the following scene where her heel is bent in like a really comical, it's like objectifying her and the heel is like totally the symbol of like feminine sexuality. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was kind of like, I'm confused. But I, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, it's like campy and like kind of like, I don't know, problematic, but, like, campy and sets it up in such a way that, like, it's coming for you. And I I liked that on a different level. It's like, that was effective. I'm scared now, you know? <laughs> I have to say, your perspective is changing my opinion on the movie. Oh, oh shit. But I also, it's imperfect. Like, there's, like, <laughs> there's, like, not a single person of color in that movie. <laughs> like, it is all white people. It's true, too. You need to have some... I, you know, like, a lot of the cinematography and the oh. music really made me think of Ty West films. Are you, are you familiar with The House of the Devil? No, or, yeah. but it sounds good, because yeah. I love the music. Yeah, it felt like an homage to his work. Oh. He's uh, a great horror director I really love. He was also involved with Your Next. Have you seen that one? No. Okay. I'm I'm such a scary yeah, I will. Um, yeah, Your Next is one of my favorite movies of all time, because Ty West plays this kind of like trust fund movie director oh. and he's actually a director he's like a total <laughs> cool persona and uh, his character is just so funny and mm. silly and within the horror genre so it's like conflicting and hilarious yeah um, but yeah I have to like these points about your net or uh, it follows are you're blowing me away oh well I I wanted to I weaseled my way onto this podcast, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna come at it hard, like, because I, 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 I do. I got, I got notes on notes. I, um, no, I really, I really liked this movie because it also, I re- just really liked the, the, I really liked the whole concept. Like when I watched like The Ring in fifth grade, which was a movie I was not prepared for. Oh. <laughs> but like the worst you part talk about it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I needed a worst part. where's the Milwaukee comedy matriarch? <laughs> I need her to hold me. <laughs> She's inside all of us. Oh. <laughs> like the worst part is like when she crawls out of the T V towards you. That's the worst part of that movie. Oh, so like disturbing. if she just like came if she just like came at you or if she just was like, Here I am Bring like it. <laughs> but it's okay. like the silent like crawl and that's like all this movie is. When I first watched it I didn't put the grandma together, and frankly, I didn't put the father together until, like, I was, like, reading about it at the end. I, like, read a bunch of, like, It Follows Think Pieces, and I was like, awesome. Um, but, 
Although everything I've said are my own original thoughts, so I haven't been plagiarizing. <laughs> um, She's been reading from an article this whole time. <laughs> exactly, word for word. <laughs> um, but, like, someone pointed out it was a dad. I was like, oh. But until that point, I thought they were, like, mental patients. Like, I, like, thought there was, like, a... Because they were all in, like, white or they were, like, nude. And I was oh, like... that's true, yeah. And I was like, okay, so, like, maybe, like, this is, like, a demon that's, like, reminiscent of, like, a central place. But I, like, think, like, the reason that it's so scary is because it's not. Like, it's, like, no rhyme or reason. And I like... I like what this movie didn't do, which is... It wasn't all a dream. Oh, like, yeah. thank God. That. Thank oh. God it wasn't all a dream. Every I l- time I see a movie that ends that way, I just want to <laughs> yeah. stab someone. Stab my own eyes yeah. out. Yeah. It's it, a cop-out. It is. It's a total cop-out. And, like, I feel like I would have hated this movie had it been, like, Jay was just crazy. Female hysteria. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very popular thing. <laughs> and, like... And I feel like it, it danced towards it, but it kind of, like, danced away. I appreciated that. Yeah, that's true. These are free. You can take them, too. Thank you. I also liked that it never ex- it explained the rules, but it never explained why, and it mm. never explained why or how everybody knew what they were. That kind of pissed me off. Really? I like, I like an explanation. Uh, I want to know why the killer is killing, uh, what childhood traumatic thing <laughs> you know? Um, so, like, the fact that it never explained mm. what it was or its origin kind of got to me. Mm. And it's, But I guess it is scarier that way. I, I, there's actually, on the Wikipedia page... Um, the Wikipedia page says that a prequel is currently in talks for development, and it would explain that. That would be the oh. premise. Yeah, though it would be like where and why. I would watch that. I know. I think it would be cool. I, I, cause I like. But the thing is, like, when you apply, when you apply reason to like a chaotic world, it like makes it less scary and more knowable. Maybe that's why I like it. It's that right? sense of control. Exactly. <laughs> like it, but it does that that movie does not let you control it. Mm-hmm. Like it it figures out like why why is it why can't you shoot it with a gun but you can like drown it in a pool? You know, like yeah. there's no reason why. And how did they come up with that plan? They were gonna put it in the pool and electrocute it? Yeah. Is that just like innovation or did they have a theory no I think it was my my understanding was that it was like well if we can't shoot it with a gun let's fry its brains out you know like they got like and but it also in like a mad scramble to try to figure out like how it was gonna work like it felt like up until like at that point it felt like a desperate move but I thought that was nice because they really tried everything that you would have thought would have killed the monster. Oh, and then yeah. it was like, well, now let's just go crazy and mm-hmm. go to this pool. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the going to the beach. Like, yeah, go oh, to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, if you're just like a bunch of like 17, 18, 19 year olds, it's like, I guess we'll go to the beach. Mom's drinking. But yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. are we going to do? Get out of here. I did like how the film, like you mentioned earlier, created this sense of uncertainty regarding place and time. Yes. Um, well, not so much place. We knew it was Detroit. But, like, the, the gadgetry they had yeah. looked retro but also had smartphone capabilities. So yeah. It, as a viewer, you didn't know when you were. I loved that Shell smartphone. That was cool. I thought that was a weird touch. Mm-hmm. I, like, that was actually, that was pointed out to me in a think piece by thought catalog which actually had a really insightful thing but it was like 
Yeah, it was like Jay. Sometimes Jay will be wearing a coat, but like her sister will be wearing shorts. And they were swimming. They were swimming in the fall. And I was like, what? Being Midwestern, that's like, no. Get out of of that pool. Get out of that pool, kid. I also was trying to figure out is Jay in high school or is she. Because like. She was in school, but then she drove to her sister who was working at like an ice cream parlor. And it's like, why are things the way they are? I don't, you know, like, and it was, it was just like odd, odd timing. Cause she would like run out and she'd be like, I'm going to go visit my sister. She's working right now, but I'm in school. And I was like, I don't know where anybody is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it did feel like they were on summer vacation, but it was fall. But some of them had jobs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, what does Greg do all day? Like, yeah. heartthrob Greg. Just thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, themes that jumped out at you? Let me check my yeah. notes. Um, oh, I love the ending. I thought the ending was great. Except I didn't like that she ended up with the guy, but I like that you distantly see a vague figure in the background, and it's like walking in white. You don't know what it is. Uh. That was a good touch. Yeah. I like that. It left me wanting a sense of closure, honestly. Yeah? Like, when I finish a movie, I like to know, like, the movie is done, and I am satisfied, and and I didn't feel that with this movie. Honestly, it kind of felt a little bit like the dream ending. Also, <laughs> I, like, I could see that. Because it was like, is it going to keep happening? We don't know. <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucked. Well, I, I think that was just kind of in line with, like, the the dread. Like, if you, like, got poisoned, like, if you got poisoned by It Follows, like, you're never going to have a normal life. Like, mm-hmm. it's you'll always be wondering. And it, like, played on that, too. Like, there were, like, some moments of comic relief where, like, a girl walks by, they're like, do you all see her? And she's yeah. like, yeah. And it was, it was, like, this, like, funny moment. But the movie, like, didn't have to... The big scares of the movie were just, like, people walking past a door. Like, what the hell? Like, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, that's true. oh man, yeah. Sorry, I'm, like, really close to the mic. <laughs> that tall... The, oh, yeah, when they're all in the house, and then the Goo. one girl is just walking around, like, doo-doo-doo, and then all of a sudden the tall guy is right behind her. Uh-huh. And they're all screaming. Like, oh, yeah. It did have a lot of, like, great chiller moments. Yeah. I just liked the, um, oh, did you know that that guy, he's not CGI. That's a real person. He's that big. Shut up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I saw oh. Twitter. They were like tweeting out. They were like, hey, look, it's this guy, Jeremy. He's not, it's not this bad in real life. Like, but he's like <laughs> he's big. He's actually a really nice guy. He's actually really nice. He's part of the Lions Club. He I don't know. teapots. <laughs> <laughs> big old sweetheart. But he's terrifying. Yeah, that was a real guy. Sorry. I think I got off track from what you asked. Oh, we're talking about the ending. Oh. Yeah, like, you'll, it'll always be, you're always thinking, like, is it coming back? Is it coming back? You know? Yeah, and I guess in that way it is a metaphor for, like, bad relationships in a way. Uh And, like, always being critical of trusting new people in your life. Like, you can see that. Or, like, just, like, living with anxiety. Mm. And it's like, uh, when's the next, when's the next shoe going to drop? Like, that's yeah. <laughs> true. Do you personally have anxiety? Yes. Which I know, like all comedians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good, um, 
it, it was a good if you, if you ever are like out in public and you're like I don't feel good like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's that's it's not it's not unlike that it's obviously it's on a much grander scale more dramatic and terrifying but you know you're kind of looking around over your shoulder feeling uneasy yeah, and that yeah. way it is a good, rep- it's like a really good physical representation of the feeling that mm-hmm. that is. Well, do you have any final thoughts on It Follows? When somebody says, oh, like you did a couple times and you're like, oh, this horror movie like, kind of reminds me of that. It really makes me want to see those horror movies. I, I, it really, this movie like really affected me. Like I thought about it and I wanted to rewatch it and I wanted to talk about it. I thought it was visually interesting. I it passes the Bechdel test, which oh, yeah. is like, yeah. which is I mean I, I don't put all of my chips in that basket. If that's that's a saying I just made up. I don't put all those <laughs> chips in the basket, but I put enough Old chips Annie in the ba- basket. <laughs> my basket of chips. I don't put all my chips in that basket, but I put enough. And it's a good basket. yeah, it's a good basket to put your chips in. And <laughs> so. I, it's imperfect. There's a lot of things that aren't great about it, but I also think that it does pick up on a lot of these like dark undercurrents of anxiety and fear and <laughs> squeaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anxiety, fear, and like it also does kind of get a good little snip of like what it's like to be an anxious woman. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, your insight on this film has changed my opinion on the movie. Oh. I, uh, yeah, because I, I was kind of nervous about if someone wanted to talk about it because I just felt like I hated it so much. Yeah. But your insight is right on, and uh, you changed my mind. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Ready to put the <laughs> chips in my basket. <laughs> chips in your basket, girl. I, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good representation of the female experience. Right. Not the greatest parts of it. No. Um, so, uh, For sure. So this will launch like right before Halloween. What's Ooh. going on? What do you want people to know about? What's um, so Sorry Not Sorry. You can catch Sorry Not Sorry the first Saturday of November at 1 p.m. at Riverwest Public House. And that's every month, right? Every month. So when Dave Lasso comes to town on November 17th at Angelo's, I'll be there at 730. Look, really looking forward to that with him and Sammy Arachar. Oh. That'll be a fun show. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I've been Kristen Ryan, and this has been Addie Blatchard. And this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Why are you creeping up behind me?